Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Transformation Gold Podcast. I'm your hostess, Nicole DeVincentis, a.k.a. Chick 911 We're going to start off strong with a very bold question and then build this thing out. The question is this. Are you an asset or a liability? What? I'm talking about you. Not your house, not your car, not your assets in terms of like investments or liabilities in terms of things that you owe. I'm talking about you, your position in the family, your position in your household, your position in your organization, in your community. Are you an asset or are you a liability? I know that that is harsh. Here's what I know. As you grow, you're going to change that position. Sometimes you're in the growing phase and you're needing to suck up some resources. So on the one hand, you are a liability. But you always have things that you can offer. You always have ways that you can give or serve or like counter to what it is that you're taking in. And so you always have that choice on how you choose to position yourself either as an asset or as a liability. And what got me to thinking about this is uh, last week I went to a trauma symposium. Uh, for those of you who have never been on this podcast before, welcome to you. Um, I'm actually a registered nurse by license and trade and history. I retired several years ago to open up my own company and... Um, I I still hold all of my nursing licenses, so one of which is a license which is only in the state of Illinois, it's it's trauma nurse specialist, and I love to, I love continuing education anyway, but you know, you have requirements to uphold your licenses, so I was at this trauma symposium, it was an all day thing, and it was, it's so fun, like I... I'm that weird medical person, so I love learning about trauma. I love taking care of really, really sick trauma patients. I know if you're not the medical type, that sounds terrible and awful, but that's the gift that God gave me. And so if you were ever in our care, you would be really glad that there's weirdos like me who really enjoy that that sort of care. And so we were sitting there, and uh, gosh, there was people from my whole entire past, just like there was people that, um, one of which was one of my partners when I flew at Lifestar, there was a whole table of people that I worked with in the ER, and one of the people there was actually one of my preceptors, and then there was actually students there that I taught, and now they're professionals, so it was like, it was fun, and it was really, really great energy, and really, really awesome, awesome day, and... (laughs) I was speaking with specifically my partner from the helicopter from Lifestar, John. And that man, I'm telling you, he taught me so much. Like he he pretty much instilled the fear of God in me from the get-go. He'd been flying way longer than I had. And he John has a system and it was a very reliable system. And we always work nights. And when you're like on a night shift, your personality is completely different than that from the daytime. Like there's no administration there. There's nobody, you know, standing over your shoulders. So you do have to have much stronger of a backbone to you because there's no usually like direct report and there's nobody you know nitpicking you and following up on you all the time but at the same time you have to have a totally different type of personality because you usually see more shit at nighttime anyway so (laughs) this is what got me to thinking about are you an asset or a liability and so you know, when you have, let's say in this case, I've got professional license, I may not be using them in the capacity of a clinical nurse, but I still invest in myself educationally because whatever I learn, I always end up passing on. Okay, so a lot of the information that I actually took in, I transposed it and put it into the fitness division of my company. So therefore, that makes me an asset. Do you see what I'm saying? And so that, you know, who, who do you expect is going to be doing that for you? Or do you just expect that once you attain a certain position, like you can kind of coast? And there's the big difference between individuals who are leaders and individuals who are not. 
and they just kind of like shift down and can, it's like conservation of energy and they do the bare minimum in order just to kind of keep by or, or get by rather than shifting it into high gear and channeling that energy and deciding, you know what, this is so not about me. This, you know, information that I'm acquiring here is really about how do I serve at a greater capacity, whether it's my family, my professional environment or whatnot. So this podcast, I'm going to be using examples coming from a medical education, a medical scenario situation, but take the concepts, if you would, and apply it to your unique situation. Okay, so on the one front, when we ask that question, are you an asset or a liability? It comes to the, you know, am I investing in myself educationally? Whether this is formal education, this is attending conferences and seminars, this is making sure that you are reading like legit trusted information not just, you know, random things that you see online sort of a thing too. So it's, it's, you know, having that due diligence that you have a trusted source that you can, you know, take in that information from. Okay. Now the next element of, are you an asset or a liability comes into when you are performing a skill or you're operating in a particular role or as in a position. Okay, and this could be personally or professionally. Are you an asset or are you a liability? Okay, now here's going to be the example. And this is going to (laughs) be, this made me laugh. Like, so I'm sitting there with John and I'm telling you, like, I haven't seen him in a number of years. And you know how you have those people in your life that when you don't see them for a period of time, It doesn't matter. As soon as you realign with them, it's like no time has passed. And that's exactly the type of relationship that John and I have. Like no time has passed at all. And we just pick up where we left off. And our relationship was that like we worked really well together. But on many fronts, we're like this old kind of like bickering couple. Like we just like really fast with our humor. We laugh all the time. And... (laughs) Like, we just got shit done. I mean, we totally, totally did. There's nothing but love between us. I mean, it was just like a really, even though, you know, there was a few times, I swear to God, I was going to jettison the door and push his ass out because he was being so ridiculous. And I'm sure he felt the same way about me. (laughs) At the end of the day, he's just one of those really awesome people. So we went on this call. So are you an asset or a liability? And in our flight configuration... We flew uh, flight nurse, flight medic, and our pilot. Now, the pilot was not, um, they did not have a requirement to hold any sort of like healthcare license. They were not, you know, EMTs or medics or nurses. They didn't have to be. They didn't do patient care. Their job was to get us safely from point A to point B and then, you know, wherever else we had to go after that. Okay, that's the primary responsibility. And everything that goes into that weights and balances and fuel and, you know, weather, blah, 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 blah. So we get called in the middle of the night. Now, if you have sensitive ears, um, you know, blood and guts is not your thing, then I'm just going to alert you that I'm going to be bringing up that example. So, you know, for the rest of us here, this example is we get called, this is what we were told, for the guy who didn't have a face. <laughs> that was that was the information. So when you are like being dispatched for a call, you don't always get all the information. They kind of just tell you, okay, this guy doesn't have a face. And so, you know, oftentimes people will exaggerate the story. And so you really never know what it is that you're going for. So it turns out that this guy, so the three of us were flying and we're, we're flying, like the flight was far away. I, th- I think it was like a, a close to like 20 minutes by air to get to wherever this guy, he was at some ER to go pick him up and then we're going to take him back to a trauma center. So, you know, it's the middle of the night and you're flying, we call it cross country, like there's no city lights. So it's like dark as hell up there. Like you're just flying and flying and flying. flying. We finally get there and we go into this emergency room. And the the ER doctor um, meets us and she says, okay, he doesn't have a face. He got shot in the face. And we're like, oh yeah, like we get told this all the time. Okay. So we go over there 
And I swear to God, like, she was right. He didn't have a face anymore. Like, I've seen people who got shot in the face, and it was only, like, you know, maybe, like, part of their chin was missing, or maybe they just, like, blew off their nose. But this guy, legit, he did not have a face. Like, it looked like a giant pizza. Like, I don't even know. Like, holy crap. So, what happened was... (laughs) I know, I'm laughing because I'm medical, but this, honestly, this just made me laugh. So what happened was he went, and this was like a drug deal gone bad. So something happened with the drug dealer. This guy rode his bike. And I don't know if he didn't pay for the drugs or what the heck happened. But whoever was there with him shot him in the face. Now, he didn't call 911. What he did was he got on his bike and he rode over to his, you can't make this stuff up. He rode over to his girlfriend's house. He knocks on the apartment door. <laughs> she opens the door. And there he is, like with no face. Like he's still awake. Like he was still breathing. He didn't hit his brain. Like he just, like his face just got blown off. So I wonder how this went, you know, could you imagine? So instead of calling 911, what they do is they get in her car and then she drives him to the closest emergency room. <laughs> oh my God. This is so funny. So then they walk into the emergency room, okay? So it's her and her boyfriend who has no face. Like, I mean, you couldn't have moulaged this. I mean, it's, it's like really, like, really happening. So they show up in triage. And the nurse in triage is a new grad. Like, she's literally just like a couple months out of nursing school. And she's the very first nurse. <laughs> Because all new nurses end up on the night shift. Like, when you're new out of school, you don't go to days, you go to nights. So remember, I told you, you see, like, the worst shit at nighttime. And so here comes this walking guy with no face with a girlfriend. And this girl who's just, like, you know, a couple months out of nursing school. So they go through, like, this whole trauma process, whatever. So that's what we learned, like, what happened here. Like, this, like, one story after another. So are you an asset or are you a liability? So, like, that new graduate nurse, like... She probably had never seen anything like that in her whole entire life, but clearly she had prepared herself to be able to somehow respond to that situation because I would, I personally, I had never seen anybody without a face before in my whole entire career. And to this day, still have never seen an injury that looked like that, much less one that was walking. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, oh my God. So are you an asset or a liability? So we're there. And, you know, I, I laugh at that. I mean, he legit, I mean, he could be like super, super sick. I mean, he had like airway issues and all kinds of things. So this ER doctor, she was actually able to get a breathing tube in him. Now, I'm just going to tell you, if you're not familiar with this, what actually has to happen is you you look for what we call anatomical landmarks. So if you're going to stick a tube in, let's say, down somebody's throat, like you have to, you know, find where their mouth is. Well, you he didn't really have that. Like he didn't have teeth. Like he didn't have have a face. So how she was able to get this breathing tube in was really super impressive. So are you an asset or are you a liability? Was that physician able to perform? Like we're talking to like the nth degree, how this lady was able to get the freaking breathing tube in a guy who didn't have a face, his face looked like a pizza, find his mouth and get everything into proper place. Right. Without any notification, he just like showed up in the emergency room. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's that ability to respond to a situation, not react, right? There's a big difference there. Are you an asset or a liability? Okay, so enter the flight crew. So really, this guy was actually completely stable. He just had this isolated, it was a facial injury is really what it was. His airway was like totally secure. He did not have any other signs of trauma on him. Like his vital signs were all stable. Like he did not appear, like it didn't like enter like his cranial vault. So it wasn't like we were dealing like with like brain swelling or anything like that. It was literally, he simply had no face. So we're in there and we're packing him up because now we're going to take him in the helicopter and we're going to go flying back to the trauma center. And our pilot, again, now the pilot does not have a medical background. And I mean, they see, they end up seeing a lot of stuff, but they really, they're doing their own thing and we're doing ours. So it's almost like two separate solar systems, which are happening here. And then, you know, we work together to get in and out of the aircraft and keep everybody safe. 
So the, the pilot that we were flying with that night, he was kind of, he was actually ex-military, but he really did not have a high threshold for blood and guts. So how he ended up being the flight pilot, like the pilot for a flight crew for a medical, I don't know, but you know, you work with what you're given. So out of the corner of my eye, now we're, you know, packaging him up and John was, you know, my partner, John just took a towel and threw it over this guy's face because John was the one who was standing there by the breathing tube and he was, you know, giving the guy breasts like squeezing that big giant bag. So he was there and then I was just, you know, kind of like, you know, getting all the other shit that the nurses have to get and packaging him up, blah, blah, blah. And that was that. So I kind of see out of the corner of my eye that our pilot, who shall remain nameless right now, he's sitting in the corner. And this was really unlike him. Like he, the pilots rarely even came in the room. So the fact that he was in the room and now sitting in a chair in the corner, like I looked at him again and he's green. So I go over there and this happens like at the speed, like you're doing so much stuff so fast. This happens really quickly. I go over there and I said, are you okay? He's like, I, I don't feel good. And I'm like, he was green. Like, have you ever seen green people before? Like, green people are sick, okay? And I said, what's wrong with you? He goes, I looked at his face. <laughs> and I'm telling you, like, I can laugh about it now. But, I mean, this is like 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. We have to go all, we got to get back home. You know, we got to take this guy back there. Well, my immediate, you know, reaction <laughs> Was, was not like, oh, let me take care of you. My response was, knowing that he does not have a high threshold for blood and guts, my response to him was, why the fuck did you do that? Now, how in the hell are we supposed to get home? <laughs> like, you get zero sympathy. Like, we have expectations. Like, we know what our strengths are. You know what your strengths are. We know what our weaknesses are. You should know what your weaknesses are. And you have to know the line. The time to boost up your weaknesses is probably not, okay? <laughs> not when you're responsible for four souls going back on an aircraft. That's all I'm going to say. So are you an asset or are you a liability? Like I had to kick him out of the room. I mean, he was in the room. He stayed in the room. Like there was a good amount of blood in there and blood has like this metallic smell to it, to it because of the heme which is in there, the iron that's in there. And I, so I kicked him out. I was like, you can't just get out of here. Just go get your shit together. <laughs> you got to get us home. Like, come on now. And I'm thinking to myself, like, we have enough that we've got to worry about over here. Okay. I mean, looking back, he, he didn't, you know, have anything more than an isolated facial injury. But when you're still looking and he's covered in so much blood, we're still in there doing like our initial assessment on him. I can't, I can't take other people's word that, oh, he just has a facial injury. I have to make sure for ourselves that this is the only thing that we're dealing with because now we're going to be flying those 20 minutes back. And when you're flying at nighttime, you're obviously high in the sky, but we were flying over areas which had a lot of forest. There's no lights up there. Like it's pitch dark. And the only lights that you have are these little lights. We call them the French fry lights. They're like red lights that you would see over French fries, because if you use the bright lights, it actually screws up your night vision. And so you operate completely different. So knowing that we had that distance to travel now all of a sudden we have this additional liability now we do do we have to worry that our pilot legitimately is safe to actually get us back home again do you see what i'm saying so are you an asset or are you a liability okay so we had some words when we got back because this is i everybody you know he said he's like i just when you said like he oh my gosh he really doesn't have a face i just had to see it and I get that, like, it's like watching a scary movie or there's like something that you see in public, you just like, you can't help but look at it. But sometimes like there's things you can't unsee, you know, you don't make like handy wipes for your brain. So you can't, like, you know what I'm saying? And so in those moments, are you an asset or are you a liability that's understanding that you always need to be like you've got to be aware of your role you've got to be aware of your position 
and you in all seriousness like you've got to be operating in the areas of your strengths and you also have to be acutely aware of your weaknesses and I say that because what many people fail to realize is that when you expose your weaknesses your vulnerabilities okay and and that it begins with acknowledging them that whole thing acknowledgement of your weaknesses and your vulnerabilities and admitting them that actually is a strength when you refuse to look at them when you refuse to deal with them when you refuse to put them out into the light that's actually a sign of pride which makes you a liability to yourself to your team to your family to your community to your organization Pride always gets in the way. Pride is the same thing as ego. And when people hear the word ego, I think we hear it so much that it automatically gets dismissed. But when you talk about the word pride, you have, and not pride in your family name or pride in an accomplishment, like magnified pride to the point where you refuse to see anything else. Like, it just, it, it acts as a barrier. Pride and ego, let's do this. Ego, you've probably heard this before, ego, E-G-O, stands for edging God out. Does that make sense? So pride and ego used interchangeably when you refuse to recognize and acknowledge what are your weaknesses and vulnerabilities, that's a sign that you're edging God out. And what happens when God, we call this convicts your heart, he, it's, it's like you, you wake up and you're like, holy shit, Houston, we have a problem. Okay. And now you're looking at this blaring thing and now you're, you're actually going to attack this and you're not going to allow this weakness or this vulnerability to rule your life. And that is going to be the example that you can take and you can apply it to any area of your life, whether this is how you view yourself, you, whether or not you love yourself. And I don't mean it in how the public and, and social media talks about, oh, you have to love yourself from a prideful standpoint. Like love is patient, is kind. Okay. It, it holds, you know, it doesn't keep record of wrongs. So that's the, that's the same sort of love you're supposed to be infusing yourself with. Okay. So that sort of self-love. I've never met anybody who loved honestly, like through and through loved themselves and wasn't able to love others. I've seen people not act in loving ways towards other people because the root was they didn't honestly love themselves. But I'll back back that up even more and get down deep into the soil and say it's simply because they've never really learned what love is and what God's love is like as it is described, as it's defined. In that one Bible verse in Corinthians, love is patient, love is kind, it keeps no records of wrong, love never fails. That whole entire thing, what you actually do is you substitute out the word love, or if you see the word it in that verse, and you put God, the name God in there, and that's, that describes God, his personality, and the quality of love that he has for you if that makes sense. Okay. So backtracking all of that to the issue of pride and ego, where when you are on a team or you're leading a team, you're responsible for a group of people. It's being aware of the fact that you have your areas of strength. Like our pilot had his area of strengths. Like obviously he knows how to, how to handle like the aircraft, like, you know, which stick you know, you pull and which one you push and what makes the thing go up and down. And, you know, we've got two separate engines over here and, you know, all these different things. His area of weakness was the fact that he couldn't stand the sight of blood and guts. (laughs) And so what happened was his curiosity of like, seriously, this dude doesn't have a face got in the way. 
And now all of a sudden, it was like he took his absolute, like, at the worst possible moment, weakness, and highlighted it. And it interfered with his strength. And it interfered with his ability to remain an asset to our team. He actually became a liability. And that creates a trickle effect because now, now we have to delay time before we can get this person back. So if you know anything about trauma, there's something called like the golden hour of trauma. All right. So now we have to ensure that our pilot is stable in order to go back or we have to find alternative transportation via like a ground ambulance to get back. So now we have to wait for one. Okay, so this creates a a trickle down effect of other things that people have to do now to account for your momentary lapse. And everything ended up being fine. Like they're honest, like once he was out of the room, he got his shit together. Like he, he he's former military, so he knows how to do that. And everything was fine. There was not a lot of time wasted. What I'm saying is that when you're in that role, sometimes you're dealing with people who do not have that command of their mindset like he did. And was, you know, they're not able to jump back into the game and move back into their position of strength and power because they're so far gone. They don't know how to command their emotionality. That's the other aspect of it. So are you an asset or are you a liability in whatever, like what's your responsibility? What's the job function that you're supposed to be doing right now? Does that make sense? And you can take that same thing and you can put it into a financial situation. You can take that same thing, you can put it into issues of health and fitness. You can put it into the position of, you know, if if you have any other job, if you are, you know, working for a volunteer group, you know, whatever this is, leadership always starts with yourself. John Maxwell is like one of the most probably world-renowned experts in leadership. He's dedicated his whole entire life to studying leadership. And if you've never read any of his books, like he is, he is seriously, like he, he writes so clearly. He speaks, you know, fantastic. He's, he's got seminars all over the place. He's impacted so many lives. But I always take John's teachings one step further. John describes leadership as influence. And I believe that. But it starts with you. Leadership is first and foremost self-governance. It's knowing when to lead, when to follow. Does that make sense? <laughs> when to decide I'm going to get, uh, you know, get up an hour early and take my ass to the gym. When I'm going to meal prep. You know, when I'm going to put myself to bed. When I'm too much time on electronics. You know, how I manage my finances, like everything starts with you because you're never going to be able to control other people. All people were born with a free will. So it's whether or not, yeah, you have that level of influence over them. And please do not confuse having an appointed position, like in a job, you're somebody's boss or somebody is your boss. That doesn't necessarily make them a leader. Okay, that just means they're in an appointed appointed position sometimes it's used with the word leadership but that's not actually what a true leader is okay because sometimes those people can rule by fear as you see in certain dictatorships and things like that okay leadership is actually getting people uh, to be like let's call it enrolled in what it is that you're doing and voluntarily taking the forward steps And you're teaching them skills and you're teaching them, you know, tidbits and pearls of knowledge along the way, but you're leading by example. And it's important that your word and your actions align. The closer you can marry those two, and this is even within your personal and professional sphere, who you are in those two different places is going to make your life a hell of a lot easier because if you are, you know, crystal clean in your professional life, but you get home and you're a total slob in terms of how you speak, in terms of how you carry yourself, in terms of, you know, basic things. I always talk about the basics like hygiene. Do you know what I'm saying? Like what the the people learn about that and they're like, what the hell is this? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's got to, you have to develop those habits to be on point. It's, it's simply a matter of training yourself up into that space. You know, am I an asset or am I a liability in my home space? 
do I look out for the other people in my home environment? Or am I so into what I'm doing, like I just I just won't. Like I'm just worried about me and getting from point A to point B and I'm, you know, <laughs> I grew up, I have a big family. I've got a lot of brothers and sisters. <clears throat> and in our household, we also had a daycare center. And so like, it always seemed like there was always messes being made. And I was responsible for dishes. And there was a great period of time we didn't have a dishwasher. So I was the dishwasher. And it never failed that I would finish washing and drying the last dish after dinner. And that's like all the pots and pans, everything else. And somebody would come along and um, (laughs) undo all the food that I had just put away and make a gigantic mess in the kitchen. I'm not even kidding you. It was like three minutes after I just finished cleaning up all that shit. And it was infuriating. But it was, it was, it was that refusal to contribute to the functions of a house. I'm not saying don't eat if you're hungry. This was a pattern. This was a habit. And that, like, and then would leave the mess. Wouldn't even clean up after themselves. And it was infuriating. It was infuriating. It was, it was sucking the resources. It was straight up liability. It was not being an asset to the household operations at all. Does that make sense? And so when you start to shape yourself and be on the lookout for the best interest of the people... And again, personal, professional, people that you live with, people that you work with, people that you serve. It puts you in a different place. And when you own that position, okay, my job, I, I am committed to being an asset. It's hard to find other people who have that same position. You have to be able to triage yourself and know that when you're giving, when you're contributing, when you're growing, when you're improving, that you don't, you can't expect people to give back to you. Okay, because that, that's actually a business transaction. That's not, that's not true giving. All right, so you have to ensure that when you are giving, when you are serving, you're doing it with right heart and not from a place of resentment. It's done with, you know, your whole entire heart. And that's why I also bring in that one other Bible teaching that says do everything as if unto the Lord. Because you're really not doing it for other people. God gave you your gifts. God gave you your talents. God is expecting for us to actually take them and increase them and build them out and magnify them to the maximum capacity because you do it what we call for his glory like I'm built this way not because I was born this way I'm built this way not even necessarily because you know I grew up in a household where I was the dishwasher and that was I mean that 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 was part of my training to get to that point But you always have to be acutely aware of who it is that you serve. Being what we call a giver, being an asset. Oftentimes you are giving or serving individuals who may not ever know that you're the one that's doing it. Or typically what happens is they become very used to your level of giving and loyalty. And they just take it for granted. That, that's kind of like human nature. Okay, but that doesn't mean that you necessarily withdraw your giving. You can't allow other people to change your heart. Because you're not doing it for them. You're actually doing it for God. Now be advised, my people who are straight up givers, there is a line in the sand that if you're giving and you are destroying yourself in the process, then you're unbalanced. Okay, so there's where you, that's your little aspect of where you need to get right teaching and right coaching and right training so that you can stay in that, in the, in the correct place and then not move into the all I ever do is take care of these people and nobody ever does anything for me. You know what I'm saying? And you're giving from that place of resentment. That's not, you know, God loves a cheerful giver. 
So this comes into, again, are you an asset or a liability when you're moving into the space of all of a sudden I'm getting to the point now where I, I just, I can't, like I'm nothing left. You're actually a liability. It's a very important triage question. Are you an asset or a liability? And then do something about it. It's not sitting there and then discovering like, oh my God, I'm a liability, I'm a liability, I'm a liability. And then just thinking about the things that you kind of should be doing. It's once you discover it, it's actually then immediately taking action. There's discovery and there's immediate implementation of the action steps. Just like on this podcast, our goal is to shorten that time period from idea inception to execution. That's what we talk about. Here, I just discovered something. Holy shit, I'm a liability at home. Bam, here's what I need to be doing. Not always what do I have left after I scroll through the social media, answer all my emails, text 20 friends, blah, blah, blah. No, what am I prioritizing here? When I make a mess, do I clean it up immediately? Everything has a place. And you start to train and that becomes a habit for you. Does that make sense? When you're in the professional sphere, just the same thing. You know, I I come from a a nursing background. It's the same thing with first respondership. It's the same thing for people who work in customer service or in education. You're always serving the other people. But you always have to be aware of how much is too much and being aware of who it is ultimately that you serve. That if your end user are, let's say, the students that you teach or the patients that you take care of, what are you doing to position yourself to remain an asset? Not always just in how much do you know, but what are you doing to infuse yourself so that you can remain strong? Because you serve them and you do everything as if onto the Lord. So you're serving God. So it's always like this two-step thing. But it comes back to your being able to objectively like, look down at your scene, at your circle there of what, what's going on here. Holy shit, this is where I'm screwing up. And then correcting it, course correcting it. The more you get into, which is that this is personal development. I say this all the time, but it's totally true. The more you realize what a giant asshole you are. And that's totally, it's totally humbling. (laughs) And that's why after a while, you really, you don't get inflammatory when it, and like reactive towards what other people do because you become so acutely aware of all the places that you screw up in. And as you master certain lessons, what you then learn is like you learn the human factor. And now when you see other people who are at that tipping point, you are able to actually either show them by example or coach them on how to move themselves to that higher vantage point. And, and you don't, you don't re, it doesn't like phase you emotionally. You don't get mad at them. You remain in that place of peace and power. And you can have very, very effective dialogue with them. You can move through what would otherwise be like horrid points of conflict with them. Because you have empathy, you've been there, you've moved through it, but you're able to see them also as a flawed human being because you recognize, okay, you've surrendered your ego, you've laid your pride aside, you recognize the places where shit, you know, I may be strong, I may be an asset in all these different places, but in these places over here, I'm a giant freaking liability. Holy shit. Sirens are like emphasizing the importance of this. Woohoo. Love it when <laughs> love it when your environmental noises like <laughs> they play into like the importance of things. Does that make sense? So it's your responsibility. You know, there's going to be a lot of times, you know, when you are developing yourself or when you're moving towards a long-term goal, especially if there's not a predetermined track for you. This is for my entrepreneurs. You or people who are challenging family traditions, maybe in the health and fitness realm. 
you're doing things differently. You're meal prepping, you're not eating your family's tried and true recipes anymore. And like shit's getting kind of real and nobody else is doing what you're doing. And that's totally entrepreneurship, right? Coming back to you guys, (laughs) like nobody is there with, you know, like you're not on a leash and people aren't really showing you what to do. Like you are the one who's making sure that you get up early every single time. You know how many of us are waking up at three o'clock in the morning, give or take a half an hour sometimes, right? Even though it, it may be nice to stay in bed, you have those disciplines that even when you don't feel like getting up, you realize that to push your organization ahead, you always have to be thinking in terms of growth, not just in terms of profitability, but how do we improve this so that we can serve our people to a higher degree because you know money follows that and you want to remain not just you know surviving, you want to be thriving. How do you form strategic partnerships so that you can magnify the output there? I mean, this is like an awesome time to be an entrepreneur because everybody's so acutely aware and you've got so many resources which are out there, but it's also very hard because the velocity of things are moving so incredibly fast that if you are not taking care of your health, if you're choosing to party over work, like you become a liability to your own enterprise in like a half an hour sometimes. Like I'm, I'm not showing up with the amount of effort that I require, with the amount of intentionality. I slacked off. I wasn't setting my goals. I didn't hit my targets, whatever that is. And it requires a different version of you to show up each and every day and give it your maximum all, all the time. You're serving your prospective clients, you're you're serving your current clients, and you're always thinking about those things of, you know, how do I have recurrent income? How do I attract new sales? What can I do to increase, you know, the products and services that I offer my people so that we can incur new sales? How do we get, you know, how do we improve that? How do we get people buying more frequently? And maybe you're in a position like, let's say, let's say maybe you're like a a real estate or you're a realtor or maybe you're in car sales and your end product, people don't buy them all that often. Maybe they're moving every five to 10 years or maybe it's longer or maybe they're only getting a car, a new car every five years. So you have to figure out how do we actually serve our people at a higher level? What other things can we offer them? Am I an asset or am I a liability? What am I doing to generate new leads? That yes, I may have a job here, if you're the employee, if you're in sales at the car dealership, but how am I attracting these people to come in? Am I learning about social media? I mean, how many times do people have to say, like, you have got to get yourselves up on social, like, you have to figure this shit out, and that takes time, time to figure out your voice, time to make sure that you're pulling in the mission, the vision, you know, how how do we actually do this, and when you say, oh, this is kind of work, you know, this has worked all along, you have to be an asset in your own industry to recognize changes within the actual industry, but also the industry as it applies to like the whole entire economy of the nation and and actually of the world. How are things changing? How do things like Uber and Lyft impact our industry, impact my dealership? Holy shit, I can't afford to be out partying. I've got to be constantly thinking, yeah, this may not be my dealership, but this is actually my bread and butter. How am I actually, how am I generating new leads? How am I attracting new customers? What am I doing? Am I representing my dealership or my industry as an asset rather than as a liability? Because if we bring in, again, the issues about social media, social has exposed a lot of dirt and filth, which has existed I mean, let's face it, how many people equate terrible salesmanship and unethical behaviors with car sales? Even worse, like used car salesmen. 
but I'm going to tell you, I went and I purchased, um, I purchased my, my newest vehicle outright and I went, I'm just going to tell it. I, it was St. Charles Toyota in, uh, Illinois here by far the simplest transaction I have ever, and it, granted I came in as a cash buyer. And so when you're in that position, you are in a position like <laughs> you're in the position when you come in to purchase a vehicle outright. I mean, that's just, let's just be honest here. Like that's, they don't have to get financing on me. All we have to do is align what it is that I'm looking for and set the price. That's all that has to happen here. But even before they knew that about me, how they handled their business over there is unlike any other car dealership I had ever been to. And they will always have my business because of how they operate over there. For real, St. Charles Toyota, <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. And now I see why when I talk to people in the community, why so many families are loyal to that particular dealership because of what they actually do, how they serve their clients, what they're known for in an industry that traditionally has been just filled with a lot of shit. Does that make sense? So are you an asset or are you a liability? You can apply that concept to any single area. But you have to have both your landscape view of everything that's going on all the way down to the micro. Like, <laughs> you know what? I'm trying to cover this one piece up over here. And until you expose that thing and until you build that weakness into a strength. And again, not at the time that our pilot decided to do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. But at the time, like when you like behind the scenes before you actually need, <laughs> to, not that they ever, not that he ever needs to look at, you know, the person without a face, let's be honest here. But what I'm saying in all seriousness is that's the work that you do behind the scenes and you don't even need to announce it. You just show up. You show up, you are ready, you are ready to go. This is what I know, these are my skill sets, this is, the, this is the wisdom that I've learned, this is how I know how to command my emotionality, this is the research that I've done, this is where I see our industry trending towards, and you make yourself that asset. And then you look across your land and you're looking for other assets because those are the people that you want to have strategic alliances with. The liabilities, the people who refuse to grow, the people who refuse to show their best selves, the people who want to do the bare minimum just to get along, those people are the cement shoes. Those people are the ones who pull you down, pull your industry down, and keep you from reaching your full potential. Those are the people who keep you from becoming the person that God has designed you to actually be. But oftentimes you're not aware of this because when you're surrounded by so much of it and that's the culture, that culture of non-growth, of, of complacency, of bare minimum, that has become or that has been your normal. And you don't realize it until you're in a brand new environment or a brand new culture and you're like, holy shit. No wonder I was feeling so bad for so long. This is what I was surrounded by. Dysfunction does not recognize itself. This is why you have got to have your both your moral compass set appropriately. But honestly, this is what I found. Thank God I did this. I was searching for truth like a long time ago and I was trying to figure out okay if I, I you know getting ready to retire from from nursing and the, you know the possibility of, of adopting kids and being a single mom and who was going to be watching my kids when I needed to work and there was all these things and nothing made sense because what people were telling me on the one hand was not in accordance with what they were doing on the other hand and I wanted people who were going to be assets if I adopted children from the foster care system. I didn't want liabilities. I did not want to be in a position where I had to worry about what the person who was watching my kid was going to say or show these kids on TV. I wanted the fucking assets. Excuse my language. That's what I wanted. So I went out on a quest to find these people. But where is my due north? 
Because if I listen to mainstream media, if I listen to this group of people, if I read this, if I look at this, if I scroll through this, if I listen to this, it's very easy to become influenced and programmed to think that this is how it's supposed to be. You've got to determine for yourself what is the true due north. Just like on a compass, no matter where you are globally in the world, if you're pointed down towards Australia, the compass is always going to point north. That's how it says it's calibrated appropriately. You've got to have that. And that's what's going to help you with that high level of discernment in figuring out Am I on the mark with this? Am I leading us forward or am I leading us off course into what ultimately is going to be either the literal or the figurative like pits of hell? Am I leading this organization up or am I leading it over the course of time down into the ground? Based on how I am as an individual, how I interact with other people, how I build teams, how I forecast vision for the future, and how we take action. And we show up every single day and work our asses off to achieve that vision and that mission. It's literally that simple. You're either over here or you're over there. But you've got to be consistent and you've got to be committed to doing the internal work in order to have that lift off sometimes. So you've got to ensure that you're surrounded by the right people, the assets, not the liabilities. So as we close this podcast out, I thank you for joining us today. If you know of anybody who could benefit from this information, please invite them on. We do live trainings at organizations. We do global trainings via Skype, via FaceTime, via webinar, whatever technological capability you have. We do travel. We do individual coaching as well. So please, if if that's something that we can serve you for, your individual coaching as well, please go directly to our website, which is transformationgold.org. The contact is up in the upper right-hand corner. Fill that out, and then either myself or somebody from my team will contact you within 24 hours. So as we close this podcast out, your question for yourself is to ask that question or your assignment, your challenge for today rather, is to ask that question. Am I an asset or am I a liability? Thank you again for joining us, everybody. I enjoyed having you here. Let's get out there. Carpe our damn diem. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.